War has plagued humanity's narrative. People rise against people. Nation against nation. Race against race. But do not be deceived. People are not the true enemy. We know our enemy, and we will be aware of its strategy. This is war. I'm Sammy. Um, some of you guys might know me. I am Caleb Klinger, the student director's wife. Um, some of you guys might see me on Sunday mornings. I hang out at the welcome table. Um, and then if you guys have a high schooler, I hang out with them every Sunday um, and some of our Wednesdays as well. Um, so I'm going to read the verse for you guys today. It's Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thanks, Sammy. Well, guys, um, love to pray for you. I ask this morning as we get started that you pray for, pray for me, pray for each other. Pray that the noise of this world is uh, just set aside for a, for a few minutes. Um, and that we can just, we can focus, we can focus on the saving grace of Jesus. So Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I thank you for this day. I thank you for this phenomenal group of folks. Um, I, I, I'm humbled by the responsibility you've given me to share your gospel. I'm humbled because I'm in a room full of people that I, I know follow you. And, and Lord, I'm humbled that we live in a place where we get the opportunity to serve, to worship you freely. And so I pray today, Lord, that everything we say and do is glorifying to you. In your name I pray, amen. So let's just deal with a couple of things straight up front. Um, there are kids in the room, and I love it. So if there's wiggles that need to get out, let it happen. If there's noise that needs to get out, let it happen. I'm okay with it. I had a little guy in the first service back over there that seemed to yell yes every time I said something good. This was good stuff. I'm okay with this. Let's just let it happen. So no stress. We're going to have a good time. Um, if we haven't met, my name is Joe, and I am one of the guys who gets to get up here occasionally and talk with you all about the Jesus that I love. And if this is your first time with us today, I, I'm so honored that you would choose to spend part of your morning with us. And if you, in the seat backs in front of you, there is a connect card. If you wouldn't mind grabbing that and filling that out. And my friend Alicia is going to be back at the welcome table at the back at the end of service. She would, she's got a little gift for you. She'd love to just get to know you. Um, also at the end of service, you see there's tables along the wall. This is our second week of group link and group life is so incredibly important. Group life is something that we all need to engage in because it'll help us grow to become more like Christ. And honestly, it doesn't matter where you're at in your walk with Jesus. If you're just kicking the tires and trying to figure out if, if you believe any of what we're talking about here, we've got a phenomenal group. It's called Alpha. It meets on Thursday nights. And it, it's a great place to just come and ask big questions. If you've been journeying with Jesus for a, for a much longer time but have yet to step into a group, we've got A2 communities where you're going to get to learn about the basis for group life and what God can do in and through uh, a group through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have groups for men, groups for women. We have a group in the back that if, you are, if you're struggling with your finances and you need to figure out how to, you want to figure out how to honor God with that, that'd be a great place for you to go as well. And so I want to encourage you at the end of service... And when we're all done, go meet a group leader. Go talk with them. 
see if the group fits for you. Um, you're going to meet some some great folks who are around. And if you happen to run up to a table and, and maybe there's not a group leader standing there in the moment, uh, you can find out all that information on our Westside Leavenworth app. And if you send them a note, they'll get back in touch with you, I promise. And so um, today, I'd like to welcome you to week four of This Is War. And over the course of the past three weeks, uh, we have begun to unpack and dissect a, a truth that that I am seeing more and become more and more clear. It's always been evident. It's always been around, but it's more and more clear. Uh, the, the, the harder and the, the honestly, the, the closer I look at society, and it's this, is that, that we, there is a war on truth. And we will not be deceived when we know who God is and who we are in Christ. You see, when I say there is a war on truth, this is not temporary. Because Jesus calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. So when we talk about this being a war on truth, this is a war on, on eternal truth. This is a war on saving truth. This is a war on a truth that, that will last well beyond the lives of any of us who are in this room. And we won't be deceived when we know who God is and who we are in him. This, there's a quote that... that that Casey introduced in week one and has been in, unpacking throughout the weeks that I think continues to dive into this. And it's this, it's by a guy named John Mark Comer and it's in his book, Live No Lies. It says, we are at war with the world, our flesh, and the devil. The three enemies' stratagem is this, to the deceitful ideas that play to disordered desires that are normalized in a sinful society. You see, this isn't something that's new. This is not something that is new. If, and it's, it's not hard to look around and see, but it's not something that's new. I mean, if you look from creation with Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, it took 42 words for the enemy to convince perfectly satisfied people they were starving to death. A disordered desire, a desire of the flesh led them to sinful activity. David King David, who was called a man after God's own heart, saw a lady on a rooftop who wasn't his wife. Her name was Bathsheba. Decided, yep, I would like to have her. Followed the sinful desires of his broken flesh to the point that she sent her, that he sent her husband away to be murdered on the front lines of a battle. Jonah was called to go to Nineveh, said, nope, not doing it, ran away. God put him in the mouth of a big fish, spit him out on the shore of Nineveh. Jonah went in, did what he was told to do, and then threw a fit because God did not do what Jonah thought God should do. I could go on and on and on. The sinful ideas, these desires of our flesh that, that lead to us being looking more and more like a broken world. We see this all over. And, and it's been something, and, and you know, friends, this has been the battle plan of the enemy from the beginning. You know why? Because it works. It's been the battle plan because it works. Paul lays this out. He see, we see this in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. See, we're at war with the world, with, with the broken world, and with the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit of, in 
the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That's, that's a fancy way of saying the enemy, the devil. And all of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its thoughts and desires. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. You see, the strategy is nothing new, and it is a battle that the whole of humanity is engaged in. It's regardless of who we are or what we hope is true, the battle will engage us. Jesus even spoke about this, and it's recorded in the Gospel of John. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Look at this. In this world you will have trouble. If I were to stop right here and say, hey, everybody in this room that's got some trouble in the world or has experienced something, raise your hand. I'm not thinking there's going to be too many hands that don't go up. And if they don't, it's probably just maybe because, well, they're in a, in a baby carrier and they just don't know yet. See, in this world, we will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, the enemy speaks little lies into our life. Lies that can pick at our insecurities. Lies that can pick at things that can easily drag us down. And the truth is, like I said, none of us are immune. This is a battle that will engage us all. For the last two years, you guys have, if you guys have been here at any point in time or know me outside of the gym, you have, outside of the church, you've known that I've got this thing. Listen, we're going to talk about it in just a second. You guys, you guys have known that I have been working really hard to honor Christ with this temple that he's given me. I've been working really hard to love, to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. couple weekends ago these lies they got me i was sitting in the gym and i was doing a workout that was supposed to be based upon my current body weight and i decided i was going to do it based on the weight that i walked into the gym at something happened i wasn't strong enough i wasn't strong enough i tried give it everything i had I wasn't strong enough. I failed. And I stood up and this little voice in my head said, Joe, everything that you've done has not been worth it. Joe, you're trying to honor God with, your, with this temple that he's given you, but you're failing. Joe, you spent 18 months praying for people in this place and it's not paying off because you're failing. And in the moment... I was quite ready to walk away and never go back because I bought into the lies that were going on in my head. I had a dear friend who didn't let me stay stuck. And I don't remember all that they said, but I remember what I heard. Joe, you're fighting a battle that's not yours. You're doing all the right things. This is not about you. You see, the lies of the enemy are meant to do two things. They're meant to keep those who don't know Jesus from knowing him. And they're meant to make those of us who do ineffective. 
And in the moment, I bought into some lies that were about to make me real and effective. But the grace of God sent a friend in the moment. And what I came away with this is, guys, this war, these little battles, it's part of a big war. It's part of an eternal war. An eternal war against evil. And here's the good news. If you look back at that verse in the Gospel of John, it ends with, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, the eternal war against the evil one has been won, but we are not done. I'm, I'm channeling my inner Casey here because, you know, he likes the rhymes and you hang out with somebody long enough and you get these little things. So the eternal war against evil has been won, but we are not done. My grandfather served in World War II uh, near the end, right before VE Day, and then stuck around for a little while afterwards. And he talked with me as he got, as I, when I was a little bit older, he would, he would tell stories about how when he was still in Europe, there was, there was propaganda that would pop up. Even after the war was over, even after the Germans had surrendered, there were pockets of people who were still trying to pick a fight. There were pockets of people that were trying to convince others that the battle, the war wasn't done. This is what we deal with when we deal with our enemy. The war is over and he knows it. But he's spending his life, he's spending the rest of eternity trying to pick up casualties. You see, the war is over and we see this in Colossians chapter 2. It says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You see, that's the win. The win is something that you and I could never achieve. It's, not, it's something that you and I could never, could, could never accomplish on our own you see the strategy of the enemy to, to distract us and discourage us and divide us and to keep the lost lost and the saved ineffective is nothing new but whether we are a casualty or a victor is determined by who is our power source and the Apostle Paul lays this out throughout the book of Ephesians. I love that he lays out basically the entire pathway to victory. And it begins with this. A spirit-filled life. You see, when we submit to Jesus as Lord and receive him as Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, and we have a brand new power source. We are no longer fighting under our own power. Remember, this war, it will engage us. But we now have a power source that, is, that, that says he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We can stand strong and in his mighty power like Sammy read earlier because the one who lives inside of us is beyond a shadow of a doubt greater than he who is in the world. And a spirit-filled life will begin to change how, we, how, how it, it will manifest itself out in a spirit-filled walk. It will change the way we engage with the world. It will change the way we move forward. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that everything's going to always work out to the, to the way we want it to. But it's going it's to make our walk look more like love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, when we have a spirit-filled life, it'll engage and make our walk look a lot more like Jesus. And when that happens, my friends, don't forget, in this world we will have troubles. We will engage in this battle, but we have a new power source, and we will be engaged with spirit-filled warfare. It's not, a battle that is, that, that, it's not a battle that is under our own power any longer. It's a battle that is driven by the right power source. And just like Sammy read earlier in Ephesians 6, we see this, finally, what is our power source? Well, it's the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, not mine. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Do you see this? Do you see it? Our power source is the Lord. And our battle is not against flesh and blood. You see, our battle is not against other people, but against the lies of the evil one. Now, that doesn't mean we won't have conflict, because we will. Listen, there are people in this world that have hurt me, that at some point in time I was in conflict with. There are little things that come up. There are people in this world that have said things against my wife or my children, and there's just little conflicts. There's things, there are people in this world that think I've hurt them, and I think they might be wrong. There are people who stand on the opposite side of a, of a political fence, an opposite side of a religious fence, an opposite side of any other fence. But guess, listen, those are not the people that we're fighting against. We're fighting against the lies of the evil one. You see, like I said, like I was talking about earlier, the lies can be sneaky or they can be bold. They can be something that you can see and it's very, very evident. Or they can be something that sneaks in and grabs at those insecurities and grabs at you and says you're not enough, grabs at you and says you're failing, grabs at you and says you'll never be enough, grabs at you and says... The people around you, your family, they could do better. The lies, they can be sneaky. And if we let them, they can hold us captive. They can also hold us captive to the idea that our battle is against those who are outside, those to, that our battle is against other people. But you know, this last week, I was sitting down talking with Caleb um, our student guy, he has this incredible way of taking my word vomit and narrowing it down into something really simple. And that's what he did this week. And he said, Joe, I want to challenge you. He goes, you're saying a lot of things. He says, but what you're really saying and what I want to challenge you on is making sure that you're asking the right question. He goes, the question isn't who are we fighting against the question as Christ followers is who are we fighting for? 
Who are we fighting for? And the question that we, this question that we're asking comes directly from John 3.16. You see this, it's modeled in John 3.16, the most famous verse in all, of, in all of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It, has nothing, it doesn't say anything about who Jesus was fighting against. It speaks to who he was fighting for. So who is this battle for? It's for those who are caught in the lies of the evil one. You see, we aren't fighting against people. We are fighting for them. The spiritual warfare is not against people. It's for them. And how do we do that? How do we fight? I believe that in, the, uh, in Paul's letter to Timothy, uh, we, we see the answer to this question. You see, earlier we had the, the, the enemy's strategy. This lays out the strategy of a Christ follower to contend for others. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says this, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of truth, that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. You see, I believe in this. We see four steps of strategy to contend for the souls of those who don't know Jesus yet. And the first is this, is that we flee arguments that lead to quarrels. At the beginning, when it says, don't have anything to do with foolish or stupid arguments because, they know that they, because you know they produce quarrels, he's saying, get out of there. Don't do it. It doesn't do any good. I don't know about you, but I've never been in an argument with somebody where at the end they were like, you know, Joe, I think that was right. Maybe that's because I'm not very good at arguing, but I also think it's because it was just a fight for the sake of a fight. This can be in person, or for those of us who happen to be keyboard warriors, this really can be a problem online. I know I may just have poked at somebody, and I did, and that's okay. Because I was honestly poking at me a little bit too. We flee from arguments that lead to quarrels because they don't do any good. We lead with kindness. It says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. He wants to make sure we understand that. But must be kind to everyone. Scripture says later that the Lord's, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. It's kindness on top of kindness, on top of kindness. That guy that lives next door to me that can't see, I can't seem to get along with for the life of me, I'm supposed to be kind. That person who's over here who, who stands in polar opposition to everything I claim to be true, I'm supposed to be kind. I'm to lead with kindness. I'm supposed to be so counterculturally kind That the world doesn't know what just happened to it. Kindness on top of kindness on top of kindness. So we flee arguments that lead to quarrels. We lead with kindness and we gently instruct toward truth. We gently instruct toward truth. 
You see, this book is far too often used as a hammer, not as a lifesaver. We have an opportunity to gently instruct toward the truth, to gently remind people that there is a truth and his name is Jesus. He's the ultimate truth, the only eternal truth, the only truth that is the answer to every problem that ails the world. We are to gently instruct, not wield a hammer, wield a lifesaver. And finally, we are to pray for repentance. We are to pray. We, we, it says... It, it, it says here that we will, we're going to pray that, that God will grant them repentance. Repentance is, is, is the result of kindness and gentle instruction. It's the result of knowing the truth. It's the result of saying, hey, okay, wait a minute. I have been buying into a lie that had me walking down this path, but I am turning my back and I am going to go this way because that's where the truth is. We are to pray, to plead with God because, my friends, the greatest gift we can give anyone is our prayers that they would meet Jesus. This is the strategy to contend for the people who don't know Jesus yet who are caught in a lie even if they don't know it. We're to flee arguments that lead, lead to quarrels. Lead with kindness. Gently instruct towards truth and pray for repentance. I would imagine, for those of us who call Jesus Lord, probably one of those that has our name on it. Think about that. Let that be your challenge this week. If you've got a relationship with Jesus, let that be your challenge. Because this is how we fight this is how we fight, and this is who we fight for. And Jesus' power is where we fight from. Remember it said earlier, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, not my own. You see, our teaching big idea this week, I believe, sums all of this up. See, we stand strong in the Lord and contend for the souls of those living a lie because of who lives in us, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is our power source, and because of who he was, is, and always will be, we can stand strong and we can contend. Because of Jesus, who is Lord, we can stand strong against the lies of the evil one and contend for those who don't know Jesus yet. And we can do this, in this we, can do, we can do this by mimicking him. You see, the Lord battled and resisted temptation so I will stand strong and do the same. The Lord battled and resisted temptation, so I will stand strong and do the same. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus, who at the beginning of his ministry had 40 days of fasting in the wilderness and stood in the face of the enemy and was tempted in ways that I gotta be honest, I'd probably give into. 
He hadn't eaten in 40 days, and the, and the enemy said, hey, why don't you turn these loaves into bread? And if I had the power, I'd have been doing it. Jesus had the power, and he stood strong. Jesus stood in the face of the enemy and was tempted in every way that we, ha- that we have been and more. Yet he did not sin. So because of that, I can stand strong. You see, and then the Lord also, he served justice on all sin, so I will stand strong and forgive others. What is the, what is the barrier to, what is the, one of the primary barriers to contending for others? It's unforgiveness. It's us putting ourselves on a pedestal that we do not belong on because the Lord of all creation has already made forgiveness available with his life, death, and resurrection. You see, Jesus forgave, so I will stand strong and forgive. You see, Hebrews 7 says, As such a high priest meets our needs, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners and exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of others. He sacrificed for these sins once for all when he offered himself. All is a fancy little word that means everybody. It's a fancy little word. I don't care what language it's in. It means all. It means everybody. So whether it's somebody who has stepped on our toes, stepped on the toes of a a loved one, done something horrible to us, Jesus died for them. And he died for us. You see, we can, be stand, we, can, we can do these things because of what Jesus has done, but all of them are contingent upon a decision. You see, we can be strong in the Lord because when we have submitted to his lordship and received him as savior, he lives in us. My friends, without submitting to the lordship of Jesus and receiving him as savior... The power source that I've been speaking about is not yours. Period. It's available through repentance and submission and receiving him as Lord. But it is not yours just by birth. It is not yours just by coming in here and sitting in this room. It is not yours just because you go and you do something nice to other people. It comes down to a decision. A decision that says, who do I belong to and who is Lord? And what happens when we submit to Jesus as Lord and receive him as Savior? It begins with what we see in James 4, 7, where it says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When you submit yourselves to God, repent of your sins, repent of how we fall short and receive Jesus as Savior, we repent, then we can resist the devil and he will flee. But it goes just beyond that because this is how this happens in Romans 10, 9. We see because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, friends, Life begins with Jesus. Our true life, our eternal life, begins with submitting to him as Lord and receiving him as Savior.
You see, we fight a battle against an enemy who comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came so that we may have life and have it to the full. Because when we are filled with him, there is no greater life. So today, if this is something that you have yet to do, if you have yet to receive Jesus as Lord, to submit to him as Lord and receive him as Savior, friends, don't, don't, don't miss this. There is a life, a life that is marked not by the ways of this world, but by the king of all creation, and he wants you to experience it. He wants you to experience him because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So today, if that's where you're at, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to have prayer partners up here along in the front. But if you have yet to accept Jesus as your Lord, submit to him as Lord and receive him as Savior, go see one of our prayer partners. They'd love to talk with you. They'd love to talk with you about what this looks like and how you can take this step and what does it mean to live a full life that's marked only by Christ. But if you have and you've yet to begin contending for the souls around you, look back at those four that we talked about earlier. Put your name next to one of them. Start doing it. Be obedient. Heavenly Father, I thank you again. I am humbled. I'm humbled by your grace. I'm humbled by your sacrifice. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Guys, I love you, Westside, but not nearly as much as our Father in heaven does. We'll see you next week for the final week of This Is War. Don't forget prayer partners are down front and groups are along the edge. Thank you.